Welcome to Cinebabble, episode 47. I am your host, Ken, and as always, uh, my fearless co-host, Clint. Tell the world hello, Clint. Thank you, Ken, for having me. Now, the reason I called you fearless is because this week, uh, my wife and I, my family, are now uh, proud patrons of Ring Doorbell (laughs) security (laughs) Uh software or whatever whatever you call that. So it was fearless of me to enter your house? It was fearless of you to enter because, you know, that Ring Doorbell, it could rip you right in half. Yeah. No, we had— uh, I didn't know that was a feature it, of that. It is not. It yeah. is not. But it snowed the other week, and we looked down on our back deck and realized there are just large work, bit, work boot footprints mm-hmm. all over our deck. And it was a little unsettling, so we went and got cameras in the whole shebang, and now we can watch the neighborhood. You're one of those people now. Yeah, we're yeah. one of those people now. And what they don't tell you is now every time the stupid thing goes off, you check the camera to see what was at your door. <laughs> Uh, whether it was a moth, a squirrel, or, you know, a home invader. So is it that sensitive? It is. Yeah. It is. I got to play with it some. I'm a, sim- I'm a simply safe man. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't want to live the purge or uh, what was that? Uh, the strangers. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> if people are going to invade my house in doll masks, I want to know they're coming. Yeah. Um, but really, it occurred to me, it's it's just sort of the sense of safety because it's not like that doorbell is going to do anything other than let me <laughs> look in the face of a person. That's coming to steal my things or kill me. Is this a paid promotion for the ring? Because I, like I just said, I'm a Simply Safe man I and I can't. probably should have contacted them and gone for that. But yeah. no, this is not I don't think they'd be any interested. sort of paid promotion. And you can hear from my voice, I don't feel that safe. Yeah. So I, I don't think they would really get their money's worth out of this this plug. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Not impressed, huh? No, no. But I am <laughs> sad again. Do you hear me sad? Why are you sad this time? Louis Anderson. Yeah. I don't care about meatloaf, but Louis Anderson... Mm-hmm. Uh, died, and uh, man, it's just COVID. Yeah. I don't know. Did Our he? Angels. Did he die from COVID? No, he had cancer. Oh yeah, yeah. that's right. I forgot about. I think that. he had like I don't know. My wife told me it was like maybe blood cancer or something. Oof. Maybe I was wrong about that. All right. Some, well, some sort. Our, our little angel's gone, and that's sad. <laughs> our little. What was the the show he was in that you were baskets? Uh, baskets. He, yeah, he you was were working to get we, me to watch. We just went through that all again, and he's yeah. so fantastic in that show. It's still on my list. I need to watch it. Yeah, it's um, funny. It's sweet. It's one of those shows that yeah. just like every angle gets you. Yeah. But I'm not going to let Louis Anderson get me down. I'm not going to let Bob Saget or Betty White get me down. They're they're in a better just sitcom heaven place uh, because today we are doing our top 10 lists. We are doing top 10 films and top 10 TV series. And I've actually been really excited about this. Yeah. I have been scrambling to watch uh, kind of all the, the leftover movies and, uh, and TV series that I've wanted to get to. And I think the only thing I missed is... Is licorice pizza? Yeah, that one. And I'm a little disappointed about that. But I wanted uh, to see Come On, Come On, but I didn't get to see that. Oh yeah, I forgot about that one. I, you know, though, I watched the trailer and it just felt like a movie that wasn't going to do it for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've enjoyed that director's other movies. Yeah. So, well, uh, what was his other movie? He did that Believer. No, um, Beginners movie. Beginners. And he also worked with this uh, one of my. <laughs> Favorite bands, The National. 
yeah. and he did a bunch of music video stuff for them, and they yeah. were fantastic. So I totally remembered what other movie he did. I just wanted you to say Beginners <laughs> so I could look at you. You with have that the face. strangest amount of resentment for that movie. I, have I don't a very understand. Strange it's a sweet little movie. Beginners. It's a wonderful little movie that I hate. <laughs> I don't, I don't <laughs> understand why. I don't know. Those in the same breath. I don't know. I don't know why. Hey, we've talked about this for years. Yeah. I've tried it many times, and I, I don't know why I still hate this movie. I shouldn't. It's it's great. Yeah. But it just, by the end of it, I'm angry. <laughs> and, you know, just maybe Come On, Come On would do the same thing to me. I don't know. Maybe. maybe. I don't know. Maybe. So maybe. are you ready to dive into our top ten lists? Sure. I'm excited. Okay. I can see it on your so, face. Uh, what we're going to do, we're going to start with number ten, and we're going to work our way up to number one. We'll trade off turns. Uh, if one of us happens to hit something, as is inevitable, that is higher up the other person's list, uh, don't give away the number when you talk about it, but you can certainly mention that it's higher up your list. Uh, and uh, go for it. Try to defend why it's better than I think it is. <laughs> Or vice versa, uh, if some of the things on my list are even on yours. I really was feeling— There might be like one? <laughs> no, no. I, I did some refining. Yeah. I, I did, when I looked at my final list, I started to feel not embarrassment, just like uh, I, I was punishing uh, amazing films— just because they weren't fun, and so, well, it, so doesn't have, little, it doesn't have to be a list of the best of the year. It could be a list of your favorites. Well, I I tried to strike that balance. Okay, I really did. So the the first thing I want to hit on though is my runners up uh, because it, as usual, yeah, I got my top nine locked in, and then there's this tenth spot. And this pile of movies mm-hmm. that I absolutely loved, and and they're all jockeying for position on my list, and I didn't know what to go with. And here's my runners-up. Uh, Bo Burnham's Inside mm-hmm. uh, on Netflix, which is a great little stand-up slash musical. Performance piece. Done in isolation. Yeah, a performance piece. Very funny. Uh, Titan. Uh, which is uh, a crazy little uh, French flick mm-hmm. um, that that we've talked about before. No Man of God mm-hmm. with uh, Elijah Wood, yeah. which is about um, Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy right yeah. before his execution. Judas and the Black Messiah, mm-hmm. which was a fantastic movie. Yeah, uh, Riders of Justice, mm-hmm. uh, which was fun, violent math, and then the <laughs> Adrian documentary. Uh, oh yeah, about uh, Adrian Shelley. Uh, who was uh, killed right as Waitress was hitting Sundance. Uh, really good documentary that we talked about the other week. But yes, are you ready for my number 10? Let's go for it, Ken. I'm are you ready. ready? I don't know if I'm ready, but I'll ready? pretend to be. Uh, this movie I had so much fun with. It is Boss Level. Did you watch Boss Level? No. Okay, this might as well be Free Guy, <laughs> Boss Level, Free Guy. They're kind of interchangeable. Yeah. I loved them both. I want to shove them both in at number 10. But Boss Level is on Hulu, and it is Groundhog Day meets Kill Bill meets mm-hmm. uh, some other you know assassination flick. It is, it is not what you would typically call a great film, but it is great fun. It's about this hitman that wakes up on the at the same time every day after he's killed, mm-hmm. and he's immediately attacked by a, a series of assassins and other foes, and he's, he's just got to fight his way through and figure out why he's stuck in this time loop. <laughs> And uh, it's 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 the best video game movie not based on actual video game I've ever seen. Yeah, I have been so played out by the the Groundhog's Day thing yeah. that I just I could not get myself to watch it. You didn't watch Boss Level? No. Oh, Clint, it's fun. And now that it's on my top <laughs> ten list, you have to watch it. Hmm. It's required. 
It's required that by we who? watch by by the top ten gods. Oh, okay. They they dictate it. So mm. sorry, but yes, boss level on Hulu, great fun. Uh, that kicks off my list. What's your number ten, Clint? Well, my number ten is a little movie that we talked about called Pig, oh. with Nicolas Cage, mm-hmm. directed by uh, Michael Cernoski. Um, yeah, you would think it's going to be this John Wick movie, uh, like him like trying to avenge the theft of his prized truffle hunting pig. That's what the trailer kind of made it look like. Yeah, but it ends up being this really interesting just uh, character study of this loner. Uh, <laughs> pro, um, previously, he was a chef who was like world-renowned chef, and he's out in the wilderness and now he's trying to find his truffle pig, and he, he goes down rabbit holes you don't expect at all. I was on, like, the tip of my toes the entire time trying to keep up with it, and uh, it, it was a great little movie. And it's awesome seeing Nicolas Cage, like, doing a really, like, actually really good piece. I mean, I always enjoy him. He's such a wild man, but uh, it was cool just in, actually enjoying the film he's in. Yeah, this one, it really seems like he underplays yeah. uh, to to its benefit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it, there's there's not a whole lot of uh, crazy shouty Nicolas Cage on this one. Yeah, I, I was at my parents' this past weekend and um, National Treasure 2 was on mm-hmm. in the background. And just realizing, oh, he was doing that shouty, crazy thing even back then. Yeah. And uh, and it's just funny to see it in context of a movie like that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Good yeah. pick. My number nine is Oxygen, uh, oh. which was also on Netflix. Yeah. And it stars uh, Melanie Laurent, um, French actress from mm-hmm. uh, most notably probably Inglorious Bastards. And, Beginners, uh, I believe. What? <laughs> I think she was in. Yeah, nonsense. Uh, but um, but it's it's just about this this woman that wakes up in a uh, a life uh, cryogenic unit of mm-hmm. some sort, and she has no memory of how she got there. And it's really um, she's not the only performer in the piece, but it's almost a, a single actor film. And uh, incredibly tense. Felt like a panic attack the whole time I was watching it. And didn't realize, and maybe we talked about it and I just don't remember it, but it's by um, Alexander uh, Aha, mm-hmm. who does, uh, who did Crawl yeah. and, and some other ones. And he is just a, a director that can really hit tension and take some pretty simple concepts that really should be kind of cheesy yeah, yeah. and really make them stick. Mm-hmm. And this is one all the way through, uh, even as it gets more and more complex, I, I thought it really stuck the landing at the end. And it just, it's, uh, it, it's, it's kind of been in the back of my brain Yeah, and, um, it just, it, there's something about the feelings, any movie that can make me feel like I'm having a legitimate panic attack <laughs> without giving me a legitimate yeah. panic attack. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of panic attacks, side note, uh, watch Station Eleven, yeah. uh, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, at some point. <laughs> but the first episode of that thing, mm-hmm. man, that was panic fuel. <laughs> Just telling you, this is not the year to be watching a show like that. No, it um, is because it goes – It really, I really enjoyed it, especially because it goes into interesting directions yeah. other than like what oh, you yeah. expect. Yeah, it was just that first episode. Oh, okay. Whew, that first episode just was doing <laughs> things to me, Clint. So what's your number nine? 
My number nine is a movie that I, I think I talked about in what you watch in at one point. Um, and it's called About Endlessness by Roy Anderson. And it's um, by the director. He's the same guy who did um, A Pigeon Sat on a, a, a Wire. Yes, and, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And uh, it's it's all these little vignettes of people like living their daily lives, and he has a very distinct style. It's almost in that vein of Wes Anderson, where they're very um, locked off shots, very like um, just painterly, and like you just everything in the frame is meaning something, and um, it's they're. All these little in this one, it, it very much so. It's like all these little vignettes of just people living their lives. They're not totally interconnected, but like the accumulation of all these little stories gives you this feeling of like the vastness of like life and like our, our civilization and everything, and like just little pinpoints of it. And uh, it by the end, it's just this kind of overwhelming experience, and it's they're. It's weird and beautiful, and all his people look very gaunt, and it's a very distinct style. And uh, it's one that, like you were saying with Oxygen, I think I watched it at the beginning of last year, and it's just stuck with me throughout, like both of those films. And uh, yeah, I, I couldn't forget about it this time. Yeah. All right. My number eight is Green Knight, oh. uh, which we went and saw at the theater. Mm-hmm. And I have watched, I think, two times since then. Okay. And I, I have a feeling in future years, when I look back at 2021, this will probably be higher than number eight. Mm-hmm. It's, it's one of those movies that almost haunts me. Uh, it, it just, I'll find myself thinking about it at different yeah. times. It is not at all what I was expecting. Uh, but at the same time, it, it sort of was, yeah. it's, it's very much in line with, uh, David, is, is his name David Lowry, mm-hmm. David Lowry's other films. It's, it's very much in that vein. It just, it did a lot of things I, I wasn't expecting and I was not expecting to be as moved by it. Yeah, as I was, uh, especially the first time we watched it, kind of halfway through. But by the end, it really had me, mm-hmm. and uh, had had pulled a little bit of a magic trick and left me scratching my head in the best of ways. Yeah, where I was continuing to piece it together after we left the theater and and in the weeks after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, really good film, and exactly what I would. What I want from something that's taking a, a, a classic piece of literature or an yeah. ancient piece of literature at that and trying to present it in both a classic way and a modern way. Mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like it made the mistake that that most movies do where they try to overly modernize with modern sensibilities. Yeah. Uh, they didn't do that a lot in the story. It was uh, it, it was a it was a period piece that that felt like a piece of its time mm-hmm. and didn't feel out of out of sorts with that period a film like the last duel that's what was driving me nuts the whole time is because you could feel that it's trying to deal with contemporary issues through a period lens mm-hmm. and it it just it wasn't working it was it was cramming and enforcing the uh the the, the contemporary uh, conversation yeah. into a, a piece that didn't really work with it. Whereas this just, 
allows uh, allows characters to feel as if they they exist in that time. And I, so I feel like it does, though, in Green Knight, like touch on modern issues and things in, but like in a much more subtle way, where it's yes. more context, like subtext, and uh, it allows you to engage from a modern place. Yeah. But the characters never react. As if they're, you know, advanced or if they're ahead of their time. The characters still behave like characters from that time period. The situation just allows you to reflect on on things. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I just I enjoyed that. And and the visuals alone in this movie, uh, this is this is probably one of the uh, if we were just going on the look of the film, this is top three of the year yeah. for me because mm-hmm. this movie is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. So what's your number eight? Oh, um, my. Number- like you're like, well, let me just take a gander over <laughs> to the old list. <laughs> well, I can't remember off the top of my head. OK. Um, my number eight is one that you've already mentioned, but uh, Titan. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought this was a great movie. Yeah. Um, so weird in another one where it just kept me on my toes and I had no idea where it was going. And it, it just, I was baffled by it. And it was one <laughs> of those, not in a way where like I didn't understand it, but it was just in a way like I was amazed that there are stories that are untold. Like this feels like a some completely original like story that like I've never experienced before because it goes into so many different like avenue down different avenues that I wasn't expecting yep. and uh, the characters that are I've never experienced before and um, and ideas and I thought it was great yeah I, yeah, I was amazed this by this it. was a really hard one yeah to not put on my top ten and at the end of the day I've only gotten to watch it once yeah. And it so baffled me <laughs> by the end. Uh, there's the car scene at the beginning mm-hmm. and then the birth at the end. And both of those scenes just left me wondering not just what I was watching, but what it was trying to say. And I, maybe it wasn't trying to say anything. That's mm-hmm. that's one of my bad habits. I get into that mode of, you know, what's this movie trying to tell me? <laughs> maybe it's just weird. Maybe it just, you know, is doing some crazy stuff. I, I think it does have things to say. Teach that, me, Clint. Well, I, I mean, I've only watched it once, too. Yeah. So, I mean, we talked about it at length, but yeah. it's it's stuck with me. And, yeah. All right. Yeah. I think it's great. That's it's a good pick. My number seven will kind of breeze through pretty fast because it's Pig mm. with Nicolas Cage, uh, which just to touch on what you already said, it really surprised me, mm-hmm. and in a very good way. It made me feel for for its characters. Mm-hmm. I was not expecting. I thought it was going to be John Wick or nobody or one of those. And this one really, uh, it just just made me feel things for the people involved. And every time I thought, okay, here's where it spins into violence. Nope, it got quieter and quieter and quieter as yeah. it went. And I just, I absolutely loved it. Uh, what's your number seven? Well, I'm a little torn right now um, because I did make this list, but before I kind of watched some other things. Okay. But I'll I'll stick with my list and then when we – Oh, no. You can edit on the fly, Clint. (laughs) Rip that list apart. I'll I'll stick with my list. Okay. And then when we get to the end, I'll tell you what I would possibly put in that spot. Okay. Oh, it's going to be killing me. (laughs) Um, So James Bond, No Time to Die. Oh, 
I didn't even think to mention that in my honorable mentions, but it should have been there. Go on. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I thought it was a great way to close out the the Daniel Craig James Bond movies. Yeah. Um, I think it stayed true to the story that they were trying to tell throughout, and like the, his character and his unique take on the James Bond um, character. And I think it was just on par with everything that's happened. And it, I think. Um, uh, Kerry Joji Fukunaga, he did a great job and made it his own and brought his style to it. I've, I've enjoyed all his other work. Um, I, I don't know what else to really say about it. It's a James Bond movie. It's got everything you want. It's got it's, gadget it's cars. It's a James Bond movie with heart. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, you don't usually have that. Usually James Bond is a, is a little bit cold. But I mean, that's Daniel Craig's, like from the beginning yeah. it was there. So yeah. it was just, it was nice that it, it carried through and they didn't pull any punches on that. And yeah. And uh, I was really happy to see they kind of closed out his era with a very, uh, like, uh, just a period on the end of it. Um, so it, it was cool. I really enjoyed it. My number six <laughs> is also a You much, gave me a look like, okay. I've, yeah. been, I've been preparing for this. Okay. My number six is is a uh, also much delayed Sony project. And uh, it is Ghostbusters Afterlife. Oh my gosh. And I have come prepared with the defense of this movie because what I was not expecting, and I should have prepared, yeah. I will admit to everyone, I was unprepared. I was unprepared for the amount of vitriol you were going to throw <laughs> at this movie. And it so distracted me that I, I was just – I couldn't come up with the words. Yeah. And I could not defend this film. And so right now – I'm going to defend this. You're film. not going to change my opinion of the. I don't film. want to change. I just want to get out there that there is a defense of this film. All right, here it is. Uh, Walk down nostalgia lane. No, no. Yeah. So this is being created by the son of the original director, and so you have two generations tackling what is essentially the same story. Now you pointed out very keenly, uh, even though you didn't realize it, this is very Spielbergy. And that got me to thinking after I wiped away my tears and, and recollected myself from your <laughs> thrashing <laughs> that uh, – that, that um, oh, give me a second. Ivan? It's Ivan Reitman is the elder mm -hmm. and his son is Jason Reitman. Mm -hmm. Ivan Reitman grew, grew up with a certain set of films and his films were the old westerns. They were the, uh, you know, the sheriff rolling into town and taking care of the threat and facing overwhelming odds. And so what does Ivan Reitman make in his his blue collar workers, you know, still still have value? Uh, and I have something to and, say and about that. You shut up, Clint. From your last podcast no, 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 statements. No, 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 no. So, so he comes in yeah. and he creates a, essentially a supernatural Western. Uh, and it's the four grizzled gunslingers versus, you know, the overwhelming odds trying to take their town. Mm -hmm. Then now his son makes almost the same story, but his son grows up with a different set of movies. His son grows up with Spielberg movies. And has a, a story where instead of the old grizzled gunslingers, it's this two generations later. What happens in those two generations and what do those kids face? And and what did those kids uh, grow up weaned on? Well, they're, they're growing up weaned on the kind of films and TV series uh, that Jason Reitman grew up with. And so here is this perfect balance blend of his father's vision 
as re reimagined uh-huh. through the son's generations and the son's nostalgia, uh, just like the original Ghostbusters was a nostalgia trip for Ivan Reitman. It, this, <laughs> shut up, Clint. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's that's where the emotional punch from this movie comes. It's it's the idea of a son who has lost his father making a film in a series that was dear to his father. Uh, that in a lot of ways put his father on on a very large map, and and watching this kid uh, play in his father's universe with the same tools his father had, but with his own uh, unique uh, vision and childhood, mm, that okay. Not only did I like the story, not only like the humor, not only did I like all of it, mm-hmm. but now you put that on top of it, that's a movie, Clint. But my main problem do it. My main problem is <laughs> my main problem is <laughs> that Ghostbusters is so tied to those four guys that it doesn't matter. Why? Why? Because you're, you're like those Star Wars fans who are just every, every time Star Wars comes out with something, people are just like, This is destroying my childhood. It, I but just I, robbing th- it from this George is not Lucas. my childhood. I didn't like we said, I didn't watch this until well, I was in my twenties. <laughs> well, you didn't either. You already told me. Well, anyway, <laughs> Ghostbusters Afterlife is number six, and and it bobbled higher at times. But you'll be amazed to see it's not even in my runners up. What anywhere near it? I'm shocked. <laughs> shocked. I am beside myself. What was your number six, Cynic? <laughs> I do love this movie. I'm glad you love it. I Good. did not enjoy Good. it. I'm sorry. My number six is The French Dispatch. Really? Yep. By Wes Anderson. I did not think that would be anywhere on your list. I like I said after my second viewing of it, I had a I okay. It, I would say it's definitely. I mean, not my favorite Wes Anderson movie, but I so love Wes Anderson movies that like the worst Wes Anderson movie is better than most movies to me. So it has like the I, French Dispatch is better than Ghostbusters Afterlife. Definitely watch it again. <laughs> Too busy watching Ghostbusters. <laughs> My second viewing of it really helped okay. me with it. It's, I think, it's definitely flawed. I think the second two stories are kind of, uh, I don't know, they're paced strangely and they feel abrupt after like the first one. But like I said, the second one, there's uh, it, the second time viewing it, there was a definite like emotional through line for it that really helped me. Um, there's things I would definitely like to see changed about it, but. Even, like I said, the worst Wes Anderson movie to me is better than most. Yeah, I'll so, have to give it another try. I, I think, yeah. I watched it the one time, and and I was just a little disenchanted. You just had so. to put Ghostbusters on a million more times. And then 100%. come up with some asinine, like, defense no, of the thing. sir. <laughs> <Yeah>. No, <laughs> that's that's legitimate. It's legitimate. You, I will not allow you to dismiss cinematic Goodness. Mmm, tasty. Anyway, <laughs> my number five, we're not going to argue about, thank God, uh, The Power of the Dog mm-hmm. uh, on Netflix, which I am almost 100% certain is higher up your list. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't have much more to say about this film because we really, I think, covered it not just at length, but I think we did a good job of, of explaining exactly what this movie was. Um, this one has just continued to stick with me. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of a theme of of a lot of the movies on my list. Uh, this one, um, I really, I I did watch it again. 
mm-hmm. like you you had suggested. And you were absolutely right. It it was such a different second viewing, yeah. but in the best way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was you know I mentioned that by the end of the first viewing, you come to understand what what's happened. Mm-hmm. But that second viewing, it's crazy that I hadn't seen it coming the whole time. It's one of those movies where the second viewing seems so obvious. Yeah. But it allows you to just absorb the richness of it and and to watch the detail. And the performances based on where the movie goes are just even more incredible yeah. on that second viewing. Yeah, for sure. It was, because it really feels not intentional as you would construct a script, although it's a very well-constructed screenplay. But it feels intentional in that it's so organic, it, it feels even more natural mm-hmm. the second time. Yeah. So – I, I mean, I have it on my list, too, so okay. I'll hold we'll, off and We'll sing. get to that. Your number five. My number five is The Green Knight. Oh, okay. So, yeah, Anything you, else to say about The Green Knight? That's one that stuck with me, too. I, I, I've And I've only watched it once. I need to rewatch it. I've been trying to plan a time where I can watch it with Jenny Yeah. because um, I think she would enjoy it. Um, but it's stuck with me, and it's one that, like, just little images in the end of the movie will pop into my head and uh, just – continue to bounce around and um i uh i don't know i've really enjoyed all of um david lowry's other films like like i said right after i watched that i went home and watched the ghost story a film that he had done and it was just fun seeing like how he carried similar themes and like visual aesthetic Mm -hmm. uh into the green knight and how he's just carried that through all his films and how he's expanded on it um so, yeah, The Green Knight's great. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this may be the most ludicrous thing I'm about to say all episode. <laughs> Shock. Uh, but I really want to watch The Green Knight as a double feature with La La Land. <laughs> Think about it long enough and you'll totally see what I'm saying. The end? Uh, not just the end. Yeah. Thematically, they pair. Um, I've only seen that movie once, so I don't know. La La Land? Yeah. Oh, I thought you liked it better than that. I did really like it, but uh, some movies where they kind of uh, emotionally destroy me a little bit, I yeah. can't really go back and okay. watch again. All right. I'm just, just suggesting the double feature. Uh, yeah. Uh, there's, there's I think, a lot more there. I'm going to try it out sometime. Okay. All right. My number four will also not be on your list uh, mm. at this point and will be no, no surprise to you, I don't think, yeah. is Spider-Man No Way Home. Spider-Man? Spider-Man. And I feel like I have talked about this till I'm blue in the face. Uh, so I'm <laughs> I, not going to talk about much more. I, I do want to say, because yeah. I had mentioned the other week that it's it's dropped down a little bit. Because I went from, this might be one of the best superhero movies. I'm retracting that. You said the best. I did. Yeah. And I'm retracting. I like how I tried to retcon that. I know. Thank you. <laughs> I would like to retract that for this reason. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think as a film, it still works extremely well as a comic book movie and mm-hmm. I think as a comic book uh, you know uh, a movie that feels like a comic book yeah it's probably still way up there but I think I, I put my finger on it uh it relies on so many other movies mm-hmm. three universe of yeah spider-man movies to be exact um to really land its punch and I don't know if a movie can be one of the best comic book movies ever, if it requires yeah. that many other films 
to register in the way that it's meant to register. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's not fair in this new world of the MCU. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I wonder you could almost say that about any of them at this point. Yeah. 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 So but you look at something like Captain America Winter Soldier. I really think that that may be one of the best MCU films because it's it's just a great standalone film. Yeah. You don't have to have a lot going in. And when you come out, you've experienced a really good movie. So mm-hmm. it's, you know. But yeah, Spider-Man, I loved it. It was a blast. Spider-Man No Way Home is my number four. What's yours? My number four is Power of the Dog. <sighs> yeah. Good, good, um, good. It could have maybe been up a little higher on a different day. Um but this is one where like we were saying it's it's stuck with me and um i continuously think about it i think it's one of the best um performances from all of the actors yeah. like like all of them shine in it even the lesser like uh, Jesse Plemons who's like disappears like maybe halfway through the film and doesn't reappear till the end mm-hmm. but like he's even memorable in it and uh man just like everybody has a great body of work in it. And I think it's visually so interesting because at first something that bothered me about it was like they're trying to pass off New Zealand as the what, like Nevada or something. But the second time around, it made it feel more alien and like we're kind of like in this alternate world, like Western dimension well, world. Well, and we're following her and her son yeah. into this thing that they're not familiar with. Yeah, and yeah. So, so it just all feels alien, and yeah. it, it just has a very interesting um, feel to the whole thing. And I just yeah. love, like, the you're trying to piece it together, and you're not quite sure where it's going the whole time, and, um, and it pays off, and I love the subtlety of it. So, yeah. 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 All right. Uh, my number three... Uh, I'm also curious how high up your list it is, is Spencer. And Spencer, uh, again, I I feel like I'm being repetitive, but man, this movie has just done the rounds in my brain. Do you want to kill two um, birds with one stone? Is that's, that your number three? That's my number three. Look at that. We are <laughs> simpatico. All right, let's talk Spencer. Okay. Yeah. It's we'll stuck in. <laughs> go for it. <laughs> That's stuck in my brain. It's stuck uh, in my brain too. Would, I, I I remember once upon a time, a long time ago, Princess Diana died, <laughs> and you and I got so tired of hearing everybody talk about Princess Diana, and we were young, and we did not understand what the American fascination was with this uh, British princess. Yeah, and we went into Borders. <laughs> Borders bookstores, and I remember all the biographies of Princess Diana up front, and you and I just lost our minds and started just like, she's dead. What's the big deal? We get it. She's dead. She's dead. She was a princess. Your wife still Uh, quotes that. Yeah, (laughs) she does. So so going into this movie, I did not think— it was it was going to hit me the way it did, and and we talked about it when we reviewed it. But just the fact that it starts as a um, how did they word it? Now I lost it. The uh, fable based on a true story yeah, or, yeah. or inspired by a true story mm-hmm. uh, really sets sets the stage for what is a very very different kind of fictional biopic mm-hmm. that I think uh, emotionally is probably very accurate. Oh, for um, sure, yeah. But but it's it's not trying to hold itself to a certain set of characters or events. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's allowing the the characters and and their mental states to 
to kind of speak for itself. Yeah, it's kind of hitting on more of like an emotional truth than a mm-hmm. maybe historical truth and kind of fudging those lines. Um, but uh, I just watched Kristen Stewart was on Colbert like last night mm-hmm. and they showed the clip of her talking to her sons and they're like the scene where they're like acting like generals and like she's like they're wanting them to uh, speak truthfully and uh, like asking them what is their favorite part about Christmas and in the one son <laughs> says uh, like oh you being with the family and she's like no and he's like presence and then um and she's like, okay. And then the other son like asks her like why she's so sad. And she she says, I'm not sure. And the other son like answers, um, is it the past? And and, she, and the other son's maybe it's the the present. And then he says, no, it's the future. And it's such like an eerie thing, like especially like thinking about her her future and what happens to her. And there's moments like that throughout the entire thing. And it's just haunting in this weird, weird, beautiful way. And where it gets to the end is feels hopeful, but it also is sad because you know where it goes and it's amazing. And it's such a strange story because she, you know, watching this film, she escapes all this, mm-hmm. but then still dies for it anyway. Right. Yeah. Uh, years later. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's such a, a profoundly tragic uh, almost like Shakespeare level tragedy. Yeah. Uh, where, you know, for somebody to go through all of that, to to escape it and to get away from it, but fame still follows them and and the damage is already done to the point that it ultimately leads to their death one day. Yeah. I just, oh my goodness. That that kept in the back of my brain the whole time I was watching it. Mm-hmm. Um beautiful film. Um, yeah, I think it's the best looking film of the year. Yeah. Like it's so beautifully shot. Like I think it's like on 16 millimeter or something. Mm-hmm. And just I love any time a, a film does that and you just kind of can feel the texture of the yeah. grain. And uh, man, I, yeah, I love this film. Well, and with digital photography and, and new films and 4K and all that, it's it's funny how much you get used to films being hyper crisp. I know, yeah. And this movie has an artistry to crispness and softness and grain and color and color palette and the music and mm-hmm. all of these things working together it it has such a um a timeless feel to it cinematically yep. yeah. that really goes along with what they're presenting for Diana mm-hmm. and uh just performances and everything else mm-hmm. man what a movie and um i'm sure a lot of people just watch it and just be bored to tears by it and i feel sad for those people <laughs> Because <laughs> this kind of movie just really, at my core, engages me. Yeah. they. Um, I mean, it leaves more time for Ghostbusters. It, it does. Yeah. It does. You'll notice Ghostbusters was lower than Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> was I bet that was one where you, like, had something in there uh, and you had to, like, think about it. And, no, like, my, n- top, my top three okay. have been set uh, the whole time yeah. uh, that I've been working on this list. Now, everything after that, you mm-hmm. know. Okay. I really had to shove a lot out to put Ghostbusters <laughs> in there. and uh, But it was in the middle of your list. Well, yeah. Did you hear all the movies I shoved down of the whole list? Oh, Clint. Ghostbusters made me feel I think something. That was there from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. What's your, or is it my, or what's your number two? Oh, oh okay. My yeah, number we'll two. Switch it up. My number two is Dune. Okay. Yeah. Um, I. I was blown away. Like I, I thought that was going to be your number one. 
<laughs> I was blown away by Dune. I don't know. I'm currently reading the book, um, yeah. and it's really fun just kind of piecing in the little uh, in between what they show in the movie. Yeah. And uh, I think it is of such a faithful adaptation. Yeah. And uh, I, I think visually – Anytime, like, you can visually do something new with science fiction, especially on this, like, what is it, 60, 50-year-old book, yeah. and you're do showing something that you – like, especially after all the stuff that's come out, like Star Wars and so many other things that have pulled from Dune, and yeah. they still were able to show it in a new way and with a new sensibility that you haven't seen in science fiction, really, or at least not to the degree that they did it, like, maybe lesser – but I was blown away by it. Um, my only thing is that, like, the second part's got to nail it. Yeah, or for I, sure. I, I'm going to be so disappointed. For but, sure. Man, I, I, I still might find myself go, going back just to watch this first half and somehow yeah. <laughs> piece it, like, piece the story together. Just dream of yeah, what, 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 what could have been. been. But it's Denis, uh, and so I have faith in him. I've loved yeah. all his films. So I think he has a strong idea for the second half. I'm sure it was... He didn't write it as one piece and the other. I'm sure he's been thinking about it since the beginning. So I'm I'm confident that he'll nail it, and uh, I think it's great. Well, and just, just the visuals of this world. Yeah. I, I can't imagine, even if the second one fails on a on a narrative field, it's it can't possibly fail on yeah. visual because there's just there's such a strong foundation already mm -hmm. set up that uh, you know at worst it's going to feel you know return of the jedi return of the king that kind of um you know where it works as as kind of the last chapter but you know is just missing something but based on what's in the book uh, I'm really curious where they go and how faithful they continue to be because the book gets super weird. But I in that I, second half, yeah. But I I I agree. Like if they they're staying like very true to what's in the book, yeah. that's a good roadmap. And also, I feel like they've made it even weirder already yeah. by the visuals they've chosen yeah. and like like. I so I think that if they choose to go down the rat the um route of going in all, all, all the weird mm -hmm. things, then they already laid the groundwork for it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. What's your second? My number two is In and of Itself. Oh, okay. Uh, which is, uh, you know, I, I almost struggled as to whether this should be on the list of movies, but I was just like, no, it's, it's, it's a movie. Uh, it's a recording of a stage show by magician Derek uh, Delgadio. Mm -hmm. And it's... Uh, no other movie this year made me feel like this did. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's essentially just a, a series of six magic tricks and six stories from his life. Yeah, but it's put together in such a way, and it's it's thematically driving home a point mm -hmm. with the audience in tow uh, that was just fascinating to me. And this definitely came at the right time. Uh, in in early 2021, uh, right when we had just gotten out of 2020, yeah, yeah. and uh, there's just there's some really moving things here, and also at the end of the day, I have no idea how he did a bunch of the things he did on this on this special or in this film. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just from a a magician standpoint, uh, yeah, you can you can figure out one or two things, but man. 
what a performance. And then the emotion that he invests in it and just the the amount of, of personal uh, just meat mm-hmm. that's in there. Um, that he's in tears, the audience is in tears. And yeah, to an extent, this is his 500 and some performance of the show. Yeah, It is yeah. a performance piece, but you can tell that it's so personal to him that it it goes a little bit beyond performance and really has a touch of of something special uh, to what I would imagine was each show. And so this is on Hulu. It's still up. I can't get my wife to watch it because <laughs> she saw the emotional wreck I was after watching it, and she's just scared of it. She's a coward. Uh, but yeah, I haven't even tried with Jenny because it's the same reason. Yeah, so it's not, highly, highly, highly yeah. recommend this movie. And. Um, when you first recommended it, because I I don't even think I would have ever found it. I wouldn't have even known what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, you said something, and it really – I went and watched it that night. Whatever it was you said, it was something like, uh, this movie made me feel whatever it did. I was just like – I think I just said it made me feel something for the first time in probably a couple <laughs> years. I'm yeah, dead. But uh, I- incredible film. Uh, so what's what's your number two? Oh, I'm, yeah, it's Dune. What's your number one? Yeah. We're at number one, Clint. I know. Where are the trumpets and the yeah. drums? I don't have much fanfare. Mine is Dune. Oh, okay. Uh, that's yeah. that's I don't care if part two sucks. Uh I I love part one this year and I'll revisit. If part two's terrible, then we'll do kind of a twenty twenty one retrospective and I'll just boot it off the list and put uh, you know I don't think that changes anything for the first part, really. It might. Really? It I remember I mean, I guess The Matrix still holds up, but you even said after The Matrix Resurrections, you were just like, I don't know anymore. Well, I never had that much love for The Matrix to begin with. Yeah. Okay. So, But yeah, my my number one's Dune, and I just I love Dune. Everything about Dune. I've watched this movie way too many times in the theater, at home. <laughs> uh, I love this film. Yeah. So what's your number one, Clint? Uh, mine is a, I think, an interesting choice, and this is a more a like everything else has been very artistically driven. Like they've hit me in emotional places and shown me new things, and I agree that this did too. It's Ghostbusters Afterlife, isn't it? <laughs> I've revisited it in between <laughs> yes! this week and last yes! week, and watched it. Probably, I told you, yeah, I told and you. I am, I'm on board. It's just my brilliant analysis you needed. So my number one is Malignant. Really? Yeah. Wow. I I was I love Malignant. Malignant. I because man, it hit me wow. in so many sweet spots. Like it was a new take on a horror thing. Yeah. Yeah. It played with all the like stupid pop culture movies like John Wick and things, and it did interesting things with those ideas. It was it was really fun. I think actually it was visually really interesting. Um, I, I, I don't know. It was really like, it took me back to when we would watch movies in, uh, grandma Derry Berry's basement in that feeling of like seeing something so outlandish and kept me like on the edge of like, what is happening and upping itself, um, like something I've never, I haven't seen in a long time. And I haven't had that experience from a horror movie in so long um, that it it was so fun for me. So. It's funny you mentioned that because I had um, 
it was somewhere on Reddit or something. Somebody suggested watching Malignant, but in standard definition four by three, uh, <laughs> uh-huh. as if you were watching an old VHS tape. Yeah. Um, and just had a whole bunch of people just, this is the greatest way to watch this movie. Yeah. And when you said that, it it clicked. Yeah, Malignant was very much, it, it you know, it could have been one of those old VHS tapes. And, um, you know, it, it certainly... <laughs> It takes things and it runs with it. It's, oh, it's yeah. a really good. It's it's not just a movie done to be like a movie from the No, and that's one of my favorite things about it too, where it's playing with ideas from movies from that time period, but it's never a parody or it's trying to like something like Psycho Gorman, like we talked about this, where yeah. it's it's trying to nail all the visual aspects of it and to that point, to that degree, to the degree where it's distracting me from the movie. Yeah. This I feel like just plays with the ideas, but it's still James Wan's vision, and um, he's doing interesting things with those ideas. Yeah. yeah. Now I have a question for you. Uh-huh. Did you notice how when you said malignant, <laughs> I was supportive? You and liked excited? malignant though. Shut up, Clint. <laughs> Do you notice how I was supportive and I was excited for you and I sat here and shared in your passion, yeah. uh, remembering the good things that that I enjoyed too? Did you see how I did that? But I didn't have any of that experience with Ghostbusters. That is professional <laughs> podcast partnering right there. All right? I was loving that you loved it. All right? Good I, for you. Clint. I love that you love, but you like Malignant too. I did like Malignant. I totally <laughs> forgot it came out in 2021, or it would probably be on my list. <laughs> All right. Well, just to review, uh, my top 10 at number 10 uh, after a, a tight little race there was Boss Level, then Oxygen, Green Knight, Pig, Ghostbusters Afterlife, The Power of the Dog, Spider-Man No Way Home, and then my top three, Spencer, In and of Itself, and Dune. Oh, mine was Pig, About Endlessness, Titan, James Bond, um, The French Dispatch, Green Knight, Power of the Dog, Spencer, Dune, Malignant. I um, also have like some runner-ups list, and I will tell you what I think maybe could have been on my list, maybe at that seven, maybe, maybe a little... Um, closer to 10. But okay. um, I recently just watched a little movie called Tick, Tick, Boom with Andrew I Garfield. I haven't watched it yet. And uh, it was one I wasn't like, I don't know why when it came out, I wasn't super interested. I maybe wasn't in the mood for a musical, but I thought it was great. Okay. Um, Lin-Manuel Miranda directs it, who he um, did uh, Hamilton. Hamilton. And he's done numerous other things as far as like music and- um, In the Heights and- uh, yeah. A bunch of other stuff. And uh, he did, like, music for a bunch of, like, animated things. Mm-hmm. and um, But it was really good. It was a really interesting take on a musical where they're telling the story of um, this um, – uh, he – what is his name? I can't remember the top of my head. It's the guy that did Rent. Yeah, he he wrote Rent. He did – he's a musical theater um, uh, writer and, you know, he writes, writes musical theater uh, plays. And um, – it was a really interesting take on telling his life story and like it's from a very um, small period in his life when he's trying to get his first play or first musical theater piece made and he's having a really hard time. He had been working on it for eight years and he's trying to finish it up and he's trying to like get out of working at this restaurant and he's trying to um, just 
he feels the pressure of 30 coming on. He's about to turn 30 and he feels all this pressure. Like, hmm. like um, Sondheim by that point had done numerous things and he's just holding himself up to these impossible standards and um, he wants to have something under his belt. And so it's about that time period and about him trying to okay. finish this piece and realizing what um, – what he should actually be doing. Now, is that one that would make its way onto your top 10? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Okay. That, that would it boot Pig? Because um, Pig was your number 10, or would it take the place of something else? I think it would. It could have been higher than Pig, maybe. Okay. Um, I don't know. I, it was one that I watched the other night, and I thought it was actually okay. really well done. I'll have to check it they out. They really work uh, the music in really well. It's all music from his, his, um, his musical theater piece, um, Tick Tick Boom, which mm-hmm. was like kind of a really small ensemble <clears throat> where he kind of learned the lessons from the piece he was working on mm-hmm. and realized like let's do a small thing. <laughs> like and uh it's all the music from that and they work it really well and naturally throughout the story because it's a very personal uh piece. And okay. uh I thought it was really good. Andrew Garfield is amazing in it. He like he actually sings in it and mm-hmm. um He's he's one of those people where I actually believe him when he's crying. Like it, you, I actually feel the emotion of him crying, and uh, I I thought it was really good. All right. Um, some other things which I would just kind of blow through a little bit faster is well, another movie that I just watched, and I think it could have been on my list. Maybe I don't know. It was it's definitely a runner up. But uh, I was a simple man. And this was a this little indie uh, movie that came out this this past year about this man um, who is just a quiet man who lives in Hawaii, and he's dying, and it's about his last days, and he starts getting haunted by the um, ghost of his wife who had died previously, like when he was younger, and it's just about her like kind of comforting him and going on to the next realm, and it's very. Um, kind of atmospheric and quiet okay. and has a very um very kind of like Terrence Malick feel almost like tree of life where it's like sh- it's very um do- showing things through nature and okay. uh it's it's very haunting and it was it was really good okay um so another one was summit of the gods mm-hmm. did you watch summit of the gods not yet uh, I, I know I'm talking a lot about these, but these are new ones that we didn't really talk about at all. But Some of the Gods is a animated French animated movie mm-hmm. about based on a manga about um, a man who is tr- – he, he's a photographer and he's trying to do a story on this man who is a climber and he's going to do Everest. And he hears that this man has – the a lost camera from a previous climb um, was what was his name? Oh, it was a famous climber who uh, he it was theorized that he might have been the first climber to reach the the summit. Um, so he's doing he's trying to do a story on this guy and get close to see if he can get the this camera from him. And it's really beautifully animated. It's amazing okay. what they do. It's on Netflix, right? Yep. Okay. It's amazing what they do with animation to tell this story. It's great. Okay. Um, Another one I talked about previously was CryptoZoo. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was on my list. Uh, Riders of Justice, <laughs> Werewolves Within. Oh, I forgot about Werewolves Within. Um, no Man of God, uh, Annette, and Don't Look Up, which we haven't talked about. Did you watch Don't Look Up yet? Uh, no, not yet. Yeah. I have it ready to watch this week. But slight pause on Annette. 
No. Go on. <laughs> no. No what? No, that's that's in my top five worst movies of the year. I don't even I haven't even put that list together, but I can tell you right now, Annette. <laughs> you didn't even is watch all of it. Rock opera in its way right to the top of that list. You didn't even watch all of it. I watched enough of it. <laughs> I wasn't adequately warned. Yes, you were. No, I, I was told not. you from the beginning. You did do not, not say living puppets. How can I dolls, give? A, I can't give away a spoiler in a thing. You do when somebody has an intense phobia. I okay? told you not to watch it. All right, but you should have been a better friend than I told you not to watch it. I just thought it was a bad movie. Go on. No, I told you. There's still a little a, better. Just go on. I told you not just to go on. Don't look up, and then my heart won't beat unless you tell it to. Ah, yes, I I love that movie. Um, that's one uh, I think I found after you had talked about it, but it was just not at all what you would expect from a, a vampire flick. Yeah. And um, Patrick uh, Fugit is really mm-hmm. good in it. So, yeah. All right. All right. Those are all your runners up? That's all, that's all my runners up. No, uh, no Ghostbusters. No, I told you it's nowhere near my list. That would be on my five that I would put <sighs> off it's into another realm. All right. So uh, let's, let's do a little bit of a palate cleanser here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we are now uh, two episodes of the Book of Boba Fett uh, that we have not discussed. And so let's, let's do a little bit of a Mando minute and talk about episode three and four of the Book of Boba Fett which can basically be summed up with one word, Clint's favorite word, the word you're going to hear a lot over the next minute, mod. Clint, what did you think of the book of Boba Fett? Because people are losing their minds and saying episode three and four really ruined the series. People are saying that? Oh, in mass. Really? People are not happy with these little mod bikers. Same reason I'm not? Same reason. Oh my so gosh, why don't you I go feel ahead. vindicated. vindicated you you should. This. You should go on the internet for this one because people are right with you. Well, I'm, I'm still enjoying the show. Yeah. Like everything is still clicking for me. I, I, I like the, the flashback stuff. I, I think that's really good. I like... The present day stuff. Um, I, I'm loving the Boba character, just like flushing out that um, his his story and everything. But, but there is an element that they've decided to drop on us. This is not the first time this flavor no. of element has entered the Star Wars universe. No, and I've hated it every yep. single time. So he runs into this group of this gang of kids. The mods. The mods who are dressed like 60s mods, um, maybe a little more science fiction-y, but not enough. Not much. And they're riding these stupid Vespa-like scooters. Lots of mirrors. Lots of mirrors. (laughs) Colorful, red and blue, and Mm -hmm. like so on the nose. I The first time they they show up in three, Mm -hmm. they don't say their name. Yeah. They don't say their name. And I instantly am like, oh, they're mods. Okay. And it drives me insane that they do this <laughs> because they do something like this in um, episode eight. Two. Oh, okay. They also, the first time I remember it is episode two with Dexter Jexter and that 50s oh, diner. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I totally, Which I hated that scene. Yeah, me too. Then I, now. That's awful. Um, but, but go ahead with your episode eight. 
Yeah, episode eight is the casino planet yeah. where they're all in like Art Deco and like swing, um, like Roaring Twenties, like Star Wars outfits. And it just doesn't make sense. It's too on the nose. It's just aliens <laughs> with old throwback costumes. And it, it just, it feels, it, it doesn't feel alien enough. No, and it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me yeah. because it feels like this is a universe far away. Like it why are we even refer like they they never reference stuff like that any other time. Why are we all of a sudden throwing this kind of stuff in there? Anyway, back to the mods. <laughs> so the third they don't say the name. Yeah. Then the second episode, okay, also the fourth. The, yeah. Fourth. <clears throat> Sorry. Also Okay, get this. They're like all modded out, like they got bionic arms and like eyes and all kinds of nonsense. Episode four, then they say the name of the gang and they're called the mods. <laughs> it's it drives me insane. I have only heard one defense of it, and it was from our friend John. Who brought it up before he knew of your hatred for it, and mm-hmm. I just sat and listened. Yeah. Uh, he pointed out, and and I do agree with him on this. I still agree with you on the design and the name and all that. He pointed out that if you're uh, teens, young adults trying to rebel on a bland desert planet like Tatooine, you do it with color and things like that, uh, which I, I actually like that thought. I agree with that. You would want to— uh, look different, and you would be much more about the galaxy than about this stupid Tatooine planet. But there are plenty of ways to do that and still make it feel like it's a part of that universe and yes. not a part of our universe. Yes. Yeah. Like, example is, the same time they're doing this, they have that other biker gang yeah. riding the speeders, and they're like – they're kind of a little bit too bikerish in a way. The denim but, is a little much, yeah. But at least they're riding the bikes from the world. Yeah. They could have had a very much more subtle version of that with the scooters, like yeah. just hinting at it. Why do they have to like nail it on the like on the, on the head? Why is it like that? And it drives me it just Sorry, it takes Clint. me out of the experience and then I have to watch out for it coming every time. I know. You know, I'm enjoying the rest of the stupid show. I know. You sound like such a grumpy old man right now. <clears throat> I agree with you. I just don't have this this fire in my belly for the mods like you do. Because it's stupid I storytelling. Just, I, I agree with you. It's not an old man thing. Yeah. Kids should be upset about this too. All right. I'm just saying. You're a little, little, you know, two inches north of get off my lawn, you kids. <laughs> get off my lawn, you mods. Uh, Kids don't even know what mods are, so why? (laughs) This the the last two episodes for me felt a lot like the first season of Mando of Mandalorian, where it just uh, there was some good stuff, but some other stuff that just like, why are you doing that? That's so dumb. Like Um, what else? hmm? Like that or other things? No, just that. But but it's such a huge part of the third episode. Yeah. And then the fourth episode, it's the first five minutes while they're playing the song that, uh, I forget which actor that is. Uh, He's a musician. Yeah. But that's one of his tracks. But even the song, like, this is not remotely Star Wars-y at all. And uh, it just sounds like a modern (laughs) beat track or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, Do the same thing. Just just throw in some, you know, use some... 
I don't know, make it sound like it's different instruments. Uh, it would be fine. Uh, this felt like that episode from Star Wars Visions <clears throat> with the uh, tattooing pop group. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. And it just didn't work for me animated very much, and it certainly doesn't work live action. So It makes me feel like they don't know what the world is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like they're trying to flush out tattooing, but they're not doing it in a way that makes it feel like the kind of place that Luke wanted to get away from. Right. You know, just in 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 context, like seven years before this happens. Mm-hmm. And so it it just none of that stuff was there when Luke wants to get off world. And so why it's suddenly there exactly for Boba to run into is, like, is strange. And I understand that like they're this gang who are like ripping people off and they might have a little bit of money, but like wh- I don't understand how they're getting the resources to like they they just seem so out of place to yeah. have the resources to do that on this planet to me that feels like a very kind of low income poor place yeah. outside of like the the heads of the gang and stuff and so it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. And the upgrades are very very high tech. Yes. They're very coruscant. Yeah. Uh they're not Yep. Things that you would pick up in Tatooine. Yeah. Like if it was a lot of junk mods, yes. uh, it yeah. would already start to work better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if it was a little more steampunky right. and gritty. Yeah. Um, then like, okay, this makes sense in, in terms of Tatooine, but they've got these real clean cut garments. Yeah, it's and, very shiny and yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know. for sure. Even take that and just, man, slather it with some sand because they live on a sand planet and there's no way you look that clean after five minutes on a sand planet. Yep. All right. Well, this has been our Mandalorian <laughs> way more than one minute. Uh, but, yeah, I'm I'm still watching, and I, I hope it gets better uh, again because I, I really enjoy the Boba stuff. Um, just did not enjoy those mods. Mm, I am I am all about that Rancor. I love yeah, Rancors. I, that kind of, I don't know. I love Rancors, Glenn. Yeah, but it felt like it was a little bit, like, forced in there. Maybe. Maybe. I don't mm. know. Depends. We'll see. We'll see. I, I'm beginning to think Star Wars just isn't for me anymore. Yeah, that's how I and, feel. And we had that conversation in Mandalorian Season 1. I felt better after Mandalorian Season 2, but I'm, I'm just starting to think it's it's just not my not Yeah, my especially after, like, Dune, where yeah. I'm like, oh, this, yeah, yeah this feels right. Yeah, I was going to see Spider-Man, but sure, sure. <laughs> I was thinking sci-fi. All right. Well, speaking of TV, let's go ahead and talk about our top 10 series of 2021. This was a fun one for me uh, because I'm pretty sure – let me look at all these. Yes. Every single one of these are shows that are new to me. Oh, Uh, yeah? Yeah, that that not only um, are they the the best of the year for me, but they – Kind of blew past some shows that that I'm several seasons into, and so good on all of these. Uh, starting my number ten is Squid Game on Netflix, mm-hmm. uh, which I had a grand old time with, except for those horrible American actors at the end. Uh, I think that was the only dent in the series for me. Uh, and a little bit there was there's just one thing about the ending we talked about where oh, if they had just done this, yeah, that would have been really great. But love the series, love the concept. Um, and, and had a really good time with it. What's your number 10? My number 10 was a, mo- a show that I almost kind of didn't forget about, but it was just so early in the year that I just didn't register that it came out this past year, but um, was The Underground Railroad on Amazon. I never got around to watching it. 
Yeah. I remember how much you said it was it was just really good. It was really beautifully done and like it takes um the idea of the Underground Railroad and makes it like it was real. Like there was actually this railroad underneath uh, of the ground that the slaves were escaping on. And, uh, but it's done in this like magical realist way where you're not there that never explained like how it actually formed. It almost kind of like it appeared mm-hmm. and um, like it had, or it had been there for like millennia or something. And uh, it's got a, just a really great cast and, it does interesting things the entire time, and it's just like a really nice, tight. Like it never feels like, oh, they need to do a second season or anything. Yeah. It was just like a nice, tight mini series where it tells the story, and uh, and it has just this magical, realist feel to it that really makes it interesting. Okay. I liked it a lot. All right, my number nine was one you introduced me to, and it's actually the second season of the show, but I ended up watching uh, season one earlier in twenty twenty one. Um, even though it came out earlier. And then I watched season two when it hit, uh, I think you should leave, mm-hmm. uh, which is absurdist comedy mm-hmm. of the highest degree. And this show had me, um, as, as far as season two, I, I already loved season one, but this yeah. show had me when he put on the ridiculous foam old uh, man, old man <laughs> costume. <laughs> And he was going to go to the mall because he wanted to trick people into thinking he was an old man. And he has a full breakdown. <laughs> that I, I think that's in the first episode of yeah. season two. Oh, that and the, first episode has so much packed yeah, into it. Yeah, but but the whole season is so great. Yeah. And even if if one sketch doesn't work for you, uh, the next one will. Yep. And it just there there's so much bizarre happening mm-hmm. here and and done with such just huzzah it was oh, so much fun i needed the show and it, oh, yeah. it made me laugh to tears it's so funny yeah so you're number nine my number nine is mayor of east town okay yeah also didn't see it yeah hbo series uh kind of almost like it would have been just a ordinary like police procedural um which not doesn't always really grab me but man, the performances are great, and it does this really nice thing of balancing the home life of the characters with the investigation, and then the investigation like weaves in through the personal lives in interesting ways, and hmm. it has a nice balance of um, not humor, but like real life light moments where it doesn't feel written. It feels like these characters are just kind of actually living with each other. And there's moments where you laugh and uh, um, doesn't feel forced. And I think it does a really good job kind of like the Underground Railroad where it's a very nice contained story. And by the end, it feels like it has an emotional payoff and it, it feels true to the characters. So I really see. I it. was too busy shrug watching the latest season of billions and Ray Donovan <laughs> to watch something new. And, you know, those, I, I those recommend- are both shows. I, I enjoy those shows, but it's that type of TV where you watch it. Cause you're already so many seasons yeah, in. I know. Ah, yeah. I hate that. I hate yeah. that. But, but it, it also, I, it got a lot of like crap for like the accents, the accents, but they're actually I think they're pretty they're good and it does and I don't think they're distracting and I think the thing is it's a very um specific regional accent yeah. that maybe a lot of people hadn't heard so then they think they're silly but like living in this area 
yeah. it doesn't feel that strange um, because we're not far from Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, so to me, it wasn't distracting. I, I enjoyed it. Okay. Um, my number eight was a uh, another new show, WandaVision. Oh, yeah. Uh, which drugged me from week to week and uh, kept me guessing, and I enjoyed that. And, and we talked about it. it. It does get a little marvelly there at the end. Yeah. But I, I think it still did enough. Um, it mixed up enough. Uh, like, you know, vision versus vision mm-hmm. uh, instead of it being a slugfest turning into a, you know, an old school uh, logic problem. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, it just this is this is Marvel TV having fun. Yeah. And I find myself excited even even when the shows don't work or they just feel kind of average. Um, I like that they're experimenting with different formats and, and different tones and it's it's really starting to feel like a comic book world where instead of one size fits all, uh, it it feels like they're headed to a place where there's just something for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, you like the more supernatural into things, you're gonna like these shows and these movies. You like the more, I don't know if that's going to ever be able to produce another in game style, uh, bring it all together without it feeling chintzy. But uh-huh. along the way, it, it's you know I don't know I'm in. And and so WandaVision was a lot of fun. Went through different sitcom eras. Yeah, uh, a lot of good nods and Easter eggs. And and like I said, just kept me moving from week to week. I do wish this was a show I was able to binge instead oh, really? of watch one week after the other. Mm. Um, but uh, it was still it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of uh, good family watching where we just all would get together and actually watch the same thing for once. Yeah, me and Jenny did too. There's yeah. very few. I mean, not very few. We we tend to watch more TV shows together than movies. Mm-hmm. So, but this was one we could, and she enjoyed it too. Even regardless that she's not totally caught up on all of Marvel, she could enjoy it and yeah. had a lot of fun with it. Yeah. So yeah. All right, your number eight. My number eight is How to with John Wilson ah, okay. on HBO, and this is such a delightful little show where John Wilson like. Well, he lives in New York and he goes around and films and he will pick a topic for the week and like he'll pick a topic on how to find a parking space. (laughs) And he goes around and just films people and like like objects and just things in the city that illustrate what he's talking about in the moment in very funny, humorous ways. And he's got a very sweet voice and it's a very relaxing show to watch. And there, it's very low stakes because all the things he's talking about are very low stakes in a way, and it's just very ordinary things. And um, like he does one about like the scaffolding in the city, and uh, and yeah, finding a parking space, and all, all kinds of things. But it's a great show. It's really funny, and uh, highly recommend it. All right. Yeah. Uh, my number seven is thumbing my nose at the entire internet. <laughs> It's Cowboy Bebop uh-huh. on Netflix, the live-action adaptation. I will defend this show. I'm not not here. Uh, I've already defended it, but I will defend this show. Uh, it's it's a blast, and yeah. it's not the anime. And good, I'm glad it's not the anime. I'm glad it was different. If yeah. I want to watch the anime, I have the anime. Uh, I I don't need a live-action ad- adaptation that's just a shot-for-shot remake. Yeah, what's of something the point of that's that? better in animation anyway. This was a ton of fun. I love the production design. Yeah. Uh, I love the actors. Uh, it was zany and over the top mm-hmm. in the right way. They yeah. they pushed uh, you know, out into places that that kept it 
uh, fun. Mm-hmm. And I just I had a good time with it. And uh, don't regret saying so and will not be shamed <laughs> and not liking this show. I, I mean, I agree. I, I did, it's not on my list, but I really did enjoy it. And I think the uh, production, uh, like, was really interesting. I love the visual style of it. It was really fun. It it made me it, – it, it did make me hesitate a little with my praise of Netflix because suddenly it seemed like everybody blew up about it for two weeks and Netflix was like, fine, canceled. Yeah. Just, what? What just happened mm. there? It was such a strange and I, and I think too too early for uh, sure of a reaction to a very small fan base. Yeah. Uh because uh, like the the Cowboy Bebop anime crowd was very loud, but they can't be that big. And I really think that show would have found especially over Christmas break mm-hmm. and everything it probably found its footing and would have been fine for a season two. Yeah. Um, I, they just, they moved against it too I mean, fast. I like, The Witcher got a second season. Oh, I know. And like, there had to have been some outcry oh, about Oh, fans were, were upset about it. Normal yeah. people were upset about yeah. it. So uh, Cowboy Bebop is way better than The Witcher. Uh, yeah, I had a lot uh, more as fun. Far as, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. But Anyway, what's your number seven? My number seven is um, I think you should leave with Tim Robinson. Uh, okay. Yeah, I. It's one of the funniest yeah. things yeah. that I, I. I. Whenever I can laugh to the point where I can't breathe, man, that's a good sign. And this does it consistently. Like it's one where I watched the first season and was like, I. I liked Tim Robinson, but I was baffled by it at the time, mm-hmm. and then I was like still thinking about it. So I went back and watched it again. I was like, oh, I don't know what was wrong with me at that moment in time, but it was, it's amazing. It's brilliant comedy. And uh, uh, the second season was something I was kind of counting down the days to, and it did not disappoint. I cannot sit in a staff meeting anymore without (laughs) thinking of hot dogs. (laughs) I really genuinely can't. I can't walk in the mall without thinking of him and the stupid, I can't see a pageant on TV without thinking of the little muscle boys. Yeah. (laughs) I can't think of like, like anytime I see a a brightly patterned shirt, I think of him like laying down on the couch talking. Yeah. Uh, Every time I see a reality show promo, I think of (laughs) dead bodies and coffins. Falling out of coffins. Santa. Yeah. Every time yeah. I see Santa, I think of him actually as this working actor. He's yeah. <laughs> but but to have that many, uh, you know, it's it's too much to say the word iconic, but just memorable. Yeah. Uh, memorable sketches. Um, I know. It just, man. Especially there's like not that many like sketch comedy shows yeah. anymore. Like there used to be like UCB and like the like kids in the hall and all, you know, the state and everything. Yeah. And uh it's there's not as many these days, and it's just really fun seeing one in that's really nailing it again. Yeah. yeah. Um, so my number six is Foundation, mm. and this one almost went higher, uh, but I really, really enjoyed Foundation. I, I loved what they were doing with time, and I particularly adored uh, the half of the show that dealt with the Empire mm. and the the three Imperial. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of the the cycle of emperors. Yeah. Every time it was on that stuff, th- it was probably my favorite show of the year. Yeah. It was just when it was on uh, the Foundation Planet mm. with uh, what's her name. Um, anyway, I I found myself almost itching to get back to the Empire mm. drama 
instead of some of the the other things uh, in space or on this planet. Uh, it's still they're they're well done. It's a gorgeous show, and um, and great effects. Uh, really good story and uh, interesting characters. Um, I am I am looking forward to the second season. I hope it really. Uh, goes beyond what it already laid down for this season. Mm-hmm. So, what's your number six? My number six is Loki. Oh, okay. Yeah. As much as I have uh, not disdain, but just like lost interest in Marvel in the past couple years, um, Loki hit a really sweet spot for me in that weird science fiction realm. And um, I think Tom Hiddleston's Loki is great. And it does such weird, fun things. The same like, like thing we were talking about with um, Cowboy Bebop, where it's just like outlandish, weird sci-fi, and it has a distinct style to it, where it, where it feels, but it doesn't feel like outside of Marvel. Mm-hmm. It just it does the things that I really have enjoyed for Marvel, like with Guardians, and um, it's a good mix of comedy and actual heartfelt like like sincere feelings for the yeah. characters in the what they're going through and the their how their arcs are developing and um yeah i was surprised great. i mean you you came out of every week enjoying every time i watched an episode i'm like i wonder if this is the week that clint <laughs> checks out cuz usually you marvel stuff has a real shelf life with you yeah. where it it starts to wear at you or you get bored of it uh, but every week you just I, – I was pleasantly surprised. And it never does the things that really like annoy me where yeah. it always feels like it's going – like building towards this big climactic battle with some god or something that some reason doesn't really feel necessary to the story. Yeah. Um, so it, it I never did those things and it did more interesting things for me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would even say, and and by the nature of its plot and the show, it it did more with the multiverse than Spider Man No Way Home. Yeah, Spider Man No Way Home, the multiverse is is almost a gimmick. Uh-huh. Uh, it's it's a background plot, whereas this it's front and center. Yes, and yeah. I I think it has more fun playing with um, that idea mm-hmm. than just okay, let's bring in some other characters. Yeah, so, all right. Um, where are we at? Number five. Five. My number five is Invincible. Uh, oh, season yeah. one mm-hmm. on Amazon, animated uh, based on Robert Kirkman's uh, graphic novels or mm-hmm. comic book of the same name. Um, this is one I I remember telling you like just watch through <laughs> to the end of the first episode, mm-hmm. and nothing describes a series better. Uh, that first episode is so average, yeah. but then ends with such a punch that informs everything that came before and you realize, oh, they were setting me up to feel like it was average. Yeah, yeah. That was so intentional. Mm -hmm. And I had so much fun with this show and it gets dark Mm -hmm. uh, and and just does things – uh, it's it's not R rated for R rated sake. Yeah, it it really finds a good balance between some shocking visuals and and ideas, and just giving you a cast of likable characters that that make pretty organic and interesting decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm definitely looking forward to season two. Yeah, me too. That was one I wrestled with putting on the list or mm-hmm. not. I um I I did really enjoy it. Okay. Um, Your number five. My number five is Joe Para Talks to You. <laughs> and this is 
one of my favorite shows. Mm. I I love this show. We just recently rewatched it all because the third season came out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Joe Para, and he he tells you about. It's almost in the way of John Wilson, where he just talks to you about a. Um, you know, like minerals or uh, growing a bean arch, yeah. and just very sweet things. And he's he's got he's kind of an old man trapped in a thirty year old man's body, and uh, it it goes and it starts off very like unassuming, and you think it's just going to be episodes about him talking about uh, random um, things that don't really have that big of a role in your life, but in that way, it it's it's very comforting. It makes me feel better about ordinary days in life. It like it makes me appreciate those, and I love how it slowly expands out into like his relationship with the other teachers and uh, forming starts dating one of the teachers and his relationship with his grandmother and his next door neighbors and um, and it, it becomes more expansive in like in this little world. And I, I love this show. It, it's one of my comfort watches that makes me feel better about life. Yeah. So That's I've, a strong statement. Have you seen the show? Uh, it is on my list because you recommended it. I, it's in the way that um, Ted Lasso, yeah. it'll make you, it really will. It'll make you feel better right. about life. All right. Yeah. Well, speaking of Ted Lasso, my number four is Ted Lasso season two. And it took me way too long to get to this show. <laughs> way too long. Uh, but my wife and I, this is, uh, as as far as just enjoyment watch goes, yeah, this is probably our favorite show. Mm-hmm. It's just so much fun, and it's it's so just it's it's adorable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's genuinely funny. It's genuinely heartfelt, but it's also not all sugar and and syrup, and it's it's got some some real meat to its characters. Yeah. And I just I loved season two. I already loved season one, but season two was just such a an evolution of yeah. what they did in the first season. The first season makes you fall in love with everybody. The second season keeps you in love with them while they change and mm-hmm. go through actual struggles and and some difficulties. And uh, it's also a show that's that's not beyond just doing something weird mm-hmm. for a minute, like the the entire episode that follows Coach Beard. Yeah, <laughs> um, you know, just it's stuff like that. Yeah, um, this was this was just a, a delight and a surprise, and I care nothing about soccer, <laughs> but this show makes me love soccer somehow, mm-hmm. even though I I don't care about soccer, but it it just I I love the show. It's it's so much fun. And I'm so glad you suggested it to me. And I'm so glad that, uh, you know, something as, as sweet and nostalgic as this didn't uh, turn me off. <laughs> Why as, is it as nostalgic? Things are want to do. There's no reason it's nostalgic. What's the your... Christmas episode is full of nostalgia. Just one episode. You, this is like saying, just saying. The, it's making you nostalgic for okay. soccer. Well, I'm just, you know, I'm just Football. saying episode five was very Spielberg y. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. It's just anyway, you know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What's your number four? My number four is Station Eleven. Oh, okay. Uh, which I just finished. Um, the last episode aired like last week, maybe two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Man, this was a. It was great. It was. Um, I loved what they did with the uh, like post-apocalyptic 
into the world. I love what it says about like art and in the way that at first I felt like, man, is this going to be kind of uh, sappy and cheesy and like talking about art in a way where like really it's not that important, but it actually makes a good point for art. And, um, and the, all the characters are so well flushed out and how they bounce around through time is really interesting. It feels organic and not like they're just doing it for the sake of mixing up, like just playing with it. Like it actually has weight to the story. Um, and I was so satisfied with the ending of it. I thought it was a nice contained like story and I'm sure it's uh, probably sticking to the book in a way I've never read the book, but um I thought it was fantastic. Have you watched some, any of it? You said I have. How much have you watched of it? All of it. Okay. I just finished the last episode last night. Yeah. Um, so we will talk more. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my number three is Loki, uh, which we've already covered uh, pretty much at length. Um, but Loki was just a blast. And Loki played in the MCU, played with the idea of variants. Mm -hmm. Um, and gave me probably one of my favorite Marvel characters that's, uh, and, and she's not in the movie at all, but I absolutely love the character of Sylvie yep. and I yeah. love the duo of Loki mm -hmm. and Sylvie. And I love the, the super weird relationship that like, is it incestual if you're two <laughs> variants of the same, that, like what, how does that work? Yeah. And I just, I, I loved that, that they were star-crossed lovers essentially. Mm -hmm. And uh, they they come together and they grow together, but then they're faced with something at the end that's not a giant battle. Yeah, but they're they're faced with something that inevitably tears them apart. Mm -hmm. And I just I I love that relationship. I love the characters in this. Um, uh, yeah, it's just Owen Wilson was a blast. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just just straight down the line, there were a lot of great actors in this show, and uh, it it definitely has more in line with uh, Watiti's uh, Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely that that flavor. Yeah. And um, I just, I, I really enjoyed it. And I thought Hiddleston did a great job of, of taking a character that, and he's done it in the movies too, but a character that really should be this one note mm -hmm. outcast brother villain. Yeah. And just gives him so many layers uh, and, and such a, such a weird, the just kind of cross section of humanity. Mm -hmm. um, I just, you know, it's. Uh, I just. I love that show. I can't wait for a, a second season. Yeah, there's. Uh, it's very rare in a show where I actually am rooting for characters to get together, yeah. like their relationship. Yeah. Even though, like you're saying, is weird uh, yeah. in a way. But very rarely do I ever actually buy into that I want to see these characters together or I believe yeah. the romance. Like there's, there's always too quippy and like feels written. And yeah. I feel like this like really pulled it off and yeah. uh, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. What's your number three? My number three, <laughs> the, like you were saying, like this, my, this list for me was actually more difficult than my movie list. Really? I, I think... I watch a lot more TV shows these days mm -hmm. and a lot of them in the way that you watch, you know, like Marvel and all that is very comforting for you. Mm -hmm. And uh, TV shows are comforting for me. Like I watch a lot of comedy stuff. And this is one that I, I think I discovered it just this year. Um, but Staff Let's Flats. <laughs> and I've talked about this show so many other times. It's one of the funniest shows 
on TV. Um, it's like it's like The Office in that way where it's just inept people who like should not be able to exist in society, but you somehow love them and you want to see them succeed, even though they're kind of asses too. But in they're sweet asses. <laughs> like they're, they're they can be an ass sometimes, yeah, sure, but like in sure. the way that all of us can. But you still root for them, even though they they probably should not be able to exist in the real world and function. And uh, it's consistently funny. The third season came out this year, and it did not disappoint. And I, I was really fun to see that they they kind of expand the style visually a little bit, even, even though it's just a humble comedy, but like they do new things with it. Yeah. And uh, it was in- really enjoyable. Okay. Highly recommended to anyone who's never seen yeah. it. My uh, number two is Station Eleven. Oh, okay. I adored Station yes. Eleven. Uh, and this is, I, I binge watch It and Yellow Jackets mm. on Showtime. And Yellow Jackets is the one everybody's talking about. It's trash. It's yeah. just a cheap knockoff of Lost yeah. by the end and whatever. Yeah. Uh, I'll probably watch season two because it's got enough mystery. I, I got to find I out. Yeah. But eh, Station Eleven yeah. is is real storytelling. Yeah. It and, could have probably been higher on my list, but I had to put it somewhere. It's Well, and, and it did something that I've never seen or, or at least never seen that effective. And any artist or writer or painter or actor, uh, anybody that, that engages in some sort of art knows what it is to be doing something that is your art, but to be channeling memories and thoughts of something completely different mm-hmm. to put you in the emotional headspace of what you're working on. Yeah. And the way this blended performance and memory mm-hmm. when they were doing Hamlet yeah. and the way that that it would use their their play to especially by the end yeah, to have talk about characters communicate yeah. that couldn't communicate and you would get these flashes of the inspiration they were drawing on in moments they needed to, to really showcase some deep emotion. Um, and that's just one thing that this show did. Mm-hmm. This show had me so off kilter the whole time. It is not at all what I was expecting. Yeah. It is the most unusual post-apocalyptic mm-hmm. uh, series I've ever seen. Um, and it, it has a bit of a... Not visually, but it has almost a Mad Max feel. It's that feel of people have have lost a sense of civilization and sanity, mm-hmm. and they're coping with things uh, at a damaged level. Yeah, and I just the world building in this, the lore, uh, the the way it it structured everything around this graphic novel that there's only a couple of copies of. I love how that plays um, out. I love what they do with that yeah. and like how it almost is supposed to be this central mystery to the yep. thing, but what they actually do with it is so much yeah. more interesting and what it says about art and like yeah. sometimes art is just a one person's therapy, like yeah. in a way, and then other people are interpreting it in this other way and, and it becomes things for them. And, and any other show where it brings all your characters together at the end and connects them that usually feels so forced. Yeah. And this did such a good job, even down to characters thought dead had survived and and old tropes like that. The way that 
that this show is structured actually reminded me a lot of the HBO Watchmen Mm -hmm. in the way it would unfold or sometimes just devote an entire episode to one character Mm -hmm. hopping between all these different timelines. And I never quite knew if it was going to come together and stick the landing. Mm -hmm. And by the end, it just, everything came together. Everything uh, went in a different direction than I thought, but yet still made sense. Yeah. And just really, it had some things to say yeah. about, not to be cheesy, but the human experience mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know, love and life and what's what's important to us in time of crisis. Uh, this show just, it, it blew me away. Um, and like, like you were saying about like, civilization kind of being left behind mm-hmm. and like they're on the edge of like, almost like feralness and Mm -hmm. stuff. But it's interesting because some of it is like choosing to, Mm -hmm. like it's like also about what what should we allow to survive? Yeah. Like what is actually important and like yeah. or what are we holding on to that maybe should be forgotten? I, I loved kind of that tug of war between past yeah. and future, literally. Yeah. The idea of what was before mm-hmm. and what's now or what's after. Um, and your, your central antagonist, at least at first, is – Somebody who just passionately believes that what was before has no value. Mm-hmm. And the antagonist in his world believes that the past holds all the value. And then you have this acting troupe in between that's trying to live their lives forward while recreating Shakespeare. Yeah, holding on to what's important. Uh, yeah. Like what actually like can get us through this time period. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. And so it just there there's so many things. I, I actually look forward to watching this entire thing again. Yeah, me too. Because it just really as I was going, I realized it was doing so much more than I was mm-hmm. um that I was following. And it just I I was thoroughly impressed with this. Yeah. Um yeah, so, the yeah. showrunner, he worked on leftovers yep. and uh, with uh Damon Lindelof who yep. worked on watch or was the runner of that. So it, there's definitely some cross um crossed wires as yep. far as like creative input and or, yeah. Or, yeah. yeah you know what i mean loved it yep. loved it loved it what was your number two my number two was midnight mass ah, it's my number one yeah so let's talk midnight mass um man this is one that like numerous things have just stuck with me mm-hmm. uh it's such a great new like take on a vampire story yeah it does such interesting things with it um it has such in the way kind of like Station Eleven, the characters are so flushed out in like um rich and uh I and it does interesting this interesting things with all of them and mm-hmm. things you're not expecting at times and um it it keeps the vampire lore f- yeah. fresh and interesting the entire time, which was amazing to me. And it was just fun seeing something like dealing with kind of like spirituality yeah. mixed with this horror element and um like i i don't know what what do you have to say about it? i the more i think about this i think the reason i mean it's a great show mm-hmm. but i think the reason it really resonated with me personally is it's it's touching on i think the the central conflict uh currently right now within Christianity. Yeah. And it's it's the idea of you have this this very traditional element and this very modern element and they're essentially at war mm. and both of them think they're they're hearing from God. Mm-hmm. And and it's just the idea of 
it doesn't present that war. It presents one side of that war. It presents the side that is so faithful that they're willing to go along with anything just because it's coming out of the mouth of somebody they see as sent by God. Right. And the lengths people will um, bastardize their their own morals Mm -hmm. to follow somebody that they believe has a connection to God. Yeah. And it's really scary. I know. And we're watching it in real time all the time. Mm And uh, it, it just really resonated with me and, and really unnerved me and just gave me a lot to think about. And um, this this one, I, I think I think Station Eleven is probably a better show uh, start to finish, mm-hmm. but Station Eleven didn't quite have that that personal hook mm. uh, that, that this one did for me. But really, these two any day of the week could probably just switch places with with each other and yeah yeah and would still be at the top of my list mm-hmm. so yeah i i love midnight mass yeah we did like an hour episode just about this <laughs> yep. show so yep. <laughs> we I talked a lot about this would one. not mind if you want to do an hour episode on station 11 sometime yeah possibly I, uh, i'd like to rewatch we, it yep i was just going to yeah. say maybe we do a rewatch yeah and then talk about it cuz that one that one has really fascinated me. Yeah. So I agree. Uh, what was your number one? Well, my number one was Foundation. Ah, okay. I thoroughly enjoyed this show. Um, in the same way, like I was in major like 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 classic sci-fi mode where like Dune came out around the same time. So I was just primed for the show. And mm-hmm. I just I love the I just something that's playing with really big ideas and but somehow is like Making them feel grounded and not yeah. just abstract and like unattain unobtainable. Like the idea of these three generations of one clone of this clone who like follow each other up and it keeps this lineage going is such like it almost feels like an idea that should have been like played with more. Oh, yeah. Like For I'm sure. surprised. I can't believe I, I had never seen something I'm like su- that. Especially because this is a classic yeah. piece of science fiction work that this is based on, yeah. and nobody's messed with this before, played with it, and like, and it's such a still f- fresh, interesting idea. And I honestly, I I really like the stuff on the planet, a Foundation yeah. planet, equally as much. So I I never had that pull where I was like uh, waiting for the like the law to be over. I think and, the uh, Empire stuff was just so new. Yeah. And and it's so rare that I have that feeling of I've never seen anything like this before. Yeah. And I think that was really powerful in those moments. Yeah. Whereas a lot of the planetary stuff, it's great, but it didn't have that same, like, I, I want to get to the weird ideas that I haven't thought of before. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I probably would be fine on a rewatch. Yeah. I think I was – I had on that – side of it I had got pretty invested in the mm-hmm. characters just as much so like that was kind of carrying me through and it was also fun like seeing the um the world building and stylistic choices of like you know the ships and stuff where yeah. it it I'm sure they're pulling from descriptions of the book and it's fun seeing um how like Star Wars and stuff is pulled from that, yeah. but and they're not afraid to like, oh, we got to make it different now because Star Wars is like, no, we're like, this is our world and we're going to do it. And it, and it doesn't, um, it never feels like, oh, they're doing Star Wars. It yeah. feels contained in this world and makes sense. And it's fun to see. Well, and the thing with Foundation and Dune that I realized, cause, cause this is a year of, of both of those yeah. adaptations. And I think in retrospect, 
Star Wars pulls a lot of elements. Yeah. But it doesn't, they're not as cohesive. And it gets away with it because it's so many different planets and you're hopping from all these different places yeah. that you don't notice it. Right. But the the galaxy does not feel cohesive. Mm-hmm. Whereas then you watch something like Star Trek, Foundation, Dune, mm-hmm. it does. Yeah. Even though they're they're wildly different cultures, you feel how they influence each other or they're mm-hmm. in conflict with each other. And and I just think, you know, all those different worlds function better in these. And so I I almost feel like, yeah, this is digging back up stuff that Star Wars took, but it still feels like Star Wars took it. Right. I know. That's it what I doesn't, mean. Even though I'm introducing or being introduced to it in 2021, exactly. I, I still feel like Star Wars is the thief. I know. And these are the originators. I know. Even though I wasn't familiar with these works before this year. Exactly. Like there's, that's incredible. Like they're riding on a, around in like hover um, like car things, yeah. like similar to like on Tatooine. But in this, it like I never feel like oh that's from Star Wars. Yeah. I feel like oh this is from Foundation. Yeah. They took this from Foundation, yeah. and uh, it, and it's in it feels so um, a part of the world, and it, I and I love it. Um, well, and that's even Empire Strikes Back. I love Empire Strikes Back. But you go back, and why are these things on four legs? Yeah, why are they not just right dropping ships down onto these bases? Why are they walking? There's there's nothing built in yeah. to the rebels' weaponry that suggests they need yeah. this different type. You know, it's things like that. It looks cool. Yeah, it makes for a great toy. Yeah, uh, you know, kids go crazy, mm-hmm. but it doesn't make sense. Yeah, um, you know, and then they bring it back up in episode eight. Still doesn't make sense. <laughs> Why are you attacking the space with walkers? You've right. got giant star destroyers. Yeah. just annihilate this planet. Yep. So anyway, um, yeah, I I. Fully, fully support uh, <laughs> your elevation of, of foundation there. All yeah. right. So my my top ten is Squid Game. I think you should leave season two. WandaVision, Cowboy Bebop, Foundation, Invincible, Ted Lasso season two, Loki, and then interchangeably Midnight Mass and Station Eleven. Mm-hmm. And yours? Uh, the Underground Railroad, Mirror East Town, How to with John Wilson. I think you should leave Loki. Joe Paratox with you, Station Eleven, Stathlet's Flats, Midnight Mass Foundation. All right. Yeah. After 2020, which was such a, uh, at times, kind of empty year of, of television and movies, this is a really good year, I think. Yeah. I think it's a really good year of film. I think it's uh, going to be remembered that way. I think it's a really good year of television. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I continue to... I think get more excited about what television brings each year. I know, yeah. Than movies. Movies, yeah. I mean, there's always I'm always gonna love movies. Yeah. Um, that's always my my vehicle of choice. But man, there's nothing like a really good you know, to think of Station Eleven or Midnight Mask or Foundation crammed into a two or three hour movie. Right. It just hurts my brain. I know. You couldn't do it. Yeah. And so to have, uh, you know, where you can have these these equal quality projects, um, one long format, one short format. Ugh. I know. Man, what an age we live in, Clint. <laughs> Did you have any runners-ups? Of TV, TV series? Thing? No. Yeah. I Succession season three, but I didn't want to get, you know, into that with you again. Uh, I had a big list of runners-ups. Really? Let's yeah. hear them. So I'll, I'll, I won't stop on this okay. one like the other one. Um, what We Do in the Shadows. Oh, I still want to get to that. <laughs> Mythic Quest. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reservation Dogs. 
But you know, uh, man, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. We have a friend that's about to work on Mythic Quest. Oh, really? The upcoming season. Oh, sweet. Yeah, yeah. Um, Reservation Dogs, mm-hmm. the other two. Have you ever watched the other two? No. Great comedy. on. Uh, okay. It's on HBO Max. Uh, Pen15, they just finished the third season of that. So many shows I got to watch. Um, and they really pull off the third season of that. Um, yeah. Search Party. You ever watched Search Party? I have not. Oh, man, that that's great. They just finished the third or the oh, fifth, sixth season of that. Tell you what my son and I did watch is The Alpinist. Yeah. And <laughs> I told you. <laughs> man. I know. Oof. And the whole time he's just like, this is gonna have a happy ending, right, Dad? I don't think so, son. <laughs> no, no. It's 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 good. No, they're they're definitely talking about him in past tense. And then he would start to notice and he'd be like, Oh, they're they're talking about him in past tense. And I'm like, they're definitely talking about him in past tense. Oh man. They yeah. get to the end, like we're done the documentary, and like, oh, what are we hearing here? Yep. Oh, yep. okay. Yep. Anyway, sorry. Uh, search party. Highly recommend that show. They okay. like really balance like the mystery element with comedy really well. Okay. Um, Made for Love. Did you ever watch Made for Love? Nope. Great, like we uh, sci-fi comedy. Yeah. Uh, and Squid Game, which that yep. uh, that was on the verge of being on the list. Um, yeah. And another day, it probably could Squid have been. Game. If it just had finished a little yeah. bit stronger, I enjoyed it all the way uh, through. I did too. Yeah, I just. Mm, just needed one little 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 tweak at the end. I would have been better. Yeah, I had a list of documentary. Like I didn't watch. I had this this um, kind of like catch all list. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I had uh, that was Val Adrian. Yeah, yeah. I had a documentary um, list. The Woody Allen documentary. The yeah, <laughs> there's I, so many good yeah, ones. But yeah. Oh well. <laughs> We talk. We talked about all those anyway. And yeah, the, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. It's just it was a good year. Mm-hmm. So it was a good year. Uh, all right. Well, um, I guess we should spend Cinetron because we oh, did yeah. that last episode. So let's go ahead and spend that so we know what we're doing next episode. This is already going to be a bulky episode, but not as bad as I was expecting. Okay. Yeah. All right. People love us, sort of. I think they do. I don't know. I'm pretty sure they do. At least we have some fun. You, uh, they love you. I don't know. You know what, Ghostbusters is going to split our audience. <laughs> uh, that's going to be the moment that people really start to pick their favorite host. It's like, nope, can't go with that guy. He liked Ghostbusters. <laughs> Spin that thing. this one dark waters okay i haven't seen it it's on my uh, amazon prime list mark it's ruffalo mark ruffalo and he's I, I think a lawyer uh or something there's a there's a it's uh, like the dupont i think he's like investigating dupont yeah there's a there's a lawsuit of some sort like a class action lawsuit yeah. and uh it's based on a true story it looks really good uh yeah i'm all about it it's a little Sweet. more uh yeah. straight laced than our usual fare yeah. but okay 
yeah, I'm I'm all about it, and I'll check out and see what else is out there, what's coming out, and uh, we'll we'll add two movies to it that are newer and see what we come up with. Let's do it, Ken. All right, I enjoyed this. This was good. It was long, but it was yeah. it was a good. I'm sorry, I liked, everyone. <laughs> yeah, I, I liked our our top ten list. They felt different from each yeah. other, and I think I they represented that. each other well. Yeah, it's hard when it's a lot of like when we were doing the 2010 to 2019. Yeah, the best movies of the year. It would get where we would just have kind of the same favorites. This one. This one felt good. Yeah. So, all right. I think um, I'm going to change it. I think Ghostbusters was my favorite of everything this see, year. See, that's all I need. Okay. That's, uh, there you go. You won me you over. You heard it here first. Ghostbusters, better, according to Clint, than Spencer and Dune. Yeah. This has been Cinebabble episode 47. Uh, we're we're very happy that, that Clint has come around and, and regained his senses and found his sanity and his heart. Uh, as always, you can find you us happy, on cinebabblecast.com or at cinebabble on Instagram. Um, hit us up, just throw us a message, send, send us some questions. Uh, we're going to have an episode coming up where we can just do some some questions um, because we've we've got quite a pile of them, and I'm excited about it. Those are always fun. Are there a bunch of people being mad that we haven't answered these yet? No, not okay. at all. I always send back, you know, we're saving this for okay. uh, an episode where we're, we're going to hit all these. Thanks for your, your question. We'll definitely get to this. Yeah. Um, unless it's a really bad question, then I just don't respond to them and I pretend they don't exist. Are they all from men for men? No, no. I've never heard from them again. <laughs> But I uh, maybe they're being prosecuted for January 6th. That's they, probably yeah, what's happening. Yeah, they might be. They, yeah. were, they were that guy in the horned hat. <laughs> yeah. 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 Did you see the Saturday Night Live oh, yeah. MacGruber sketches yeah. this week? <laughs> oh, my gosh, where he's falling down the QAnon <laughs> rabbit hole. That was incredible. All right. Well, this has been Cinebabble episode 47. Uh, take all the stuff we mentioned. It's all worth your time. Uh, you may like some more than others, but uh, good stuff there. Mm. So we will, I guess we'll we'll see you. Well, we won't see you, but we'll see you next week. Yeah. Next time. I'll see you, Ken. Next episode. Yes. You always see me. I know. Good. Love you, Ken. I love you, Clint. Bye.